0: This reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, "See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways." that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and where my glory passes by I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Many years ago, when I first joined the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was finishing up some doctoral classes at the seminary. Since I did not have a car and I was at the seminary for a couple of weeks, I decided to hitch a ride with some first year seminarians to go to a local LCMS church on a Sunday morning. And so when I arrived at the local church, the people were very friendly, they were very kind. The sanctuary had pews, it had a pulpit, a lectern, and an old altar. I thought to myself, yes, I thought to myself, so far, so good. However, I was soon disappointed. A man dressed in khakis and a Hawaiian shirt walked to the front of the sanctuary and he welcomed us. Frankly, he looked like an employee of Trader Joe's, or as if he was on his way to happy hour after the church service. Turns out this was the pastor. Indeed, the pastor of the church. But the question is this, why was I so offended and put off by this pastor wearing a Hawaiian shirt in the divine service? Am I some sort of stern legalist, some sort of curmudgeon pastor who is stuck in the mud? That probably could be debated. Now, dear friends, I want us to consider for a moment, not to just shove this off to the side, but consider for a moment, what does a Hawaiian shirt communicate. You see, the whole look of a Hawaiian shirt with loose khakis communicates a vibe. It actually communicates a vibe. It actually talks. It actually speaks. It communicates the vibe of this. I'm totally on vacation, so give me a pina colada. It communicates, don't worry, be happy. Let's, well, let's get to that limbo contest and have some fun. Now, please do not understand me. There is nothing, I repeat, there's Nothing wrong with wearing a Hawaiian shirt if you happen to be lying around a pool on vacation or in a setting that is laid back and relaxed. But for a church service, yeah, for a church service. Now, for the sake of having a little bit of fun this morning, let's consider for a moment our reading from the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we read about Moses. We read about Moses leading the people out of bondage in Egypt. Now, for the sake of having a little fun, can you imagine Moses, yes, Moses himself, wearing a Don Ho Hawaiian shirt and some loose khakis before Pharaoh and the Hebrews? It's kind of funny to think about. But why? Why would it be funny? Why would it be humorous? Why would it cause us to cringe? The reason being, Moses was not worshiping a God who was saying to Pharaoh and to the Hebrews, don't worry, be happy, let's go to that limbo contest down by the Nile River and have some fun. Instead, the God that Moses worshiped and the God that Moses pointed to, that God, he turned water to blood. He sent plagues of frogs. He sent a plague of lice and flies. He killed the Egyptian livestock. He brought down Well, he brought down fire hail and boils and sores. He sent locusts upon the land. He brought darkness upon the land and he killed every firstborn. (laughs) That God, that God that Moses worshipped, was not the vacationing type who sipped on a pina colada while wearing a Hawaiian shirt and singing tiny bubbles in the wine, make me happy, make me feel fine. Instead, the God... Of Moses was holy. He was so holy that he could not come into the midst of the Israelites for even a moment, for his holiness would destroy and consume them. That's what we hear in Exodus 32, right before our reading from this morning. You see, that was one of the main problems with Moses, one of the main problems that Moses actually had to deal with with respect to God himself. You see, on the one hand, Moses wanted the presence of God to be with him and the Israelites because it was God who ultimately, it was God ultimately who brought them out of Egypt. We all know that. We heard that. However, at the same time, God's presence was also problematic to Moses because, well, God is and was holy and the people were often stiff-necked, which led to the possibility that God would consume the people with one swift of wrath and judgment. God's presence was equally comforting and terrifying at the same time. Today in the 21st century, people will often say that the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. We hear that all the time. Apart from this being obviously very biblically naive, by doing this, People who assert this are actually essentially creating two gods. Secondly, without even realizing it, they are, well, they're trying to diminish the holiness of God. That's what's at work here. They're trying to eliminate reverence, if you will. Yes, they're trying to eliminate reverence. You see, one of the biggest problems in America right now, in American Christianity right now, is that our view of God is, well, too tame, too soft too tiny. We want a Hawaiian shirt God. We want Hawaiian shirt theology. In fact, I have a theory, and the theory is this. The reason why so many people are opposed to things such as reverence, the liturgy, ancient hymns, and the Old Testament, to name a few, is because they want to keep God tame. They want to keep God casual and fun, contemporary and approachable. It's just easier that way to have an emasculated God. Yes, to have an emasculated God. Consider this for a moment in light of history, of church history. It's actually quite amazing to see how far the pendulum has swung since the time of Martin Luther. Yes, that pendulum, how far it's swung the opposite way. In other words, during the time of Martin Luther in the 1500s, there were many paintings of Jesus on a cross. However, what was just as common, if not more perhaps common, was Jesus as a righteous judge sitting on the throne, judging the world. In other words, the people of the 1500s had a robust view of Jesus as the almighty judge. For the people of the 1500s, the Lord was not tame. He was not soft or tiny, but quite the opposite. Again, they were on the opposite end of the spectrum from us right now. So, what do we make of all this? It's a good question. What do we make of all this? My friends, we hear it quite clearly in our reading from Exodus 33 this morning, where we are told that we cannot see God's face, for mankind shall not see God and live. In other words, No mortal, sinful man can survive a glance into the face of the holy God. Just as you and I cannot stare with our eyes into a bright sunlight, into the bright sun, you cannot gaze upon the face of God. His presence is too holy for you and for me. Dear friends, this is the reason why, this is the reason why we bow our heads in silence when we confess our sins in this church service like we did this morning. Right here in this sanctuary, we come before God Almighty, we come before God Almighty, and we are on this floor together, and we confess our sins and our thoughts and words and deeds, the sins of our thoughts, of our words and our deeds. And then we shut our mouths. We shut our mouths in silence with our heads bowed right here in this sanctuary before God Almighty. If we could summarize that confession of sin that we did here this morning, as I stood right here, as we all stood together and we confessed our sins, and as we lowered our heads in silence, if we could summarize what is actually occurring during that confession of sin. At the beginning of our divine service, we are essentially saying that God would be morally just if he were to consume us by his holiness and destroy us for our unrighteousness. He'd be completely just. No wonder why Hawaiian shirt pastors always seem to eliminate the confession of sin from their church services. Indeed, the fact remains, you and I are so sin sick that God would be morally just to consume us by his holiness and put an end to every one of us. Indeed, you and I cannot withstand the full revelation of God's presence without being destroyed. Dear friends, if you cannot agree with this and if you cannot confess this, Then you are worshiping a false God. This is why our small catechism says that we are to fear God. In other words, there is God. Indeed, there is God. And then there is His creation, which includes all of us. And there's nothing in between. And so we fear Him. We take Him seriously. We show Him reverence. He cannot be tamed. He is not soft. He is not tiny. And yet, in the book of Exodus, we read that God gives an extraordinary gift. We read it this morning. He speaks to Moses face to face as a friend. When the pillar of cloud, as you see, is the pillar of cloud descended before Moses, this majestic, this holy, this righteous God, would actually speak to Moses, not through a dream, not through visions, but directly, just like a conversation with a friend. We cannot emphasize this enough. This is truly, truly profound. And for you and me, we actually receive the same gift as Moses from the same God. Jesus Christ calls you and me. He calls us friends. And he says, I have called you friends for that I have heard, for all that I have heard, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Just as this majestic, holy, and righteous God chose to speak to Moses, that very voice put on human flesh and spoke forth from that manger to the tomb in the person of Jesus Christ. That is right. Just as Moses was given a glimpse of God's presence, the Apostle John tells you and me that we see God when Christ covered himself in Our flesh and lived among us. We beheld his glory. We have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. But it actually, my friends, it does not stop there. The very voice that spoke to Moses and to the disciples also speaks to you and me in a manner that we can grasp, that we can grasp him. You see, he gives us baptism, he baptizes us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gives us the Lord's Supper. He gives us holy absolution, and he gives us the ministry of the word. And so the very fact that the Lord turns to you and me with his truth and grace actually does not diminish his holiness. He is and always will be holy. That is a fact, which is why we show him reverence, which is why we show him respect, and we show him fear. And yet, we can also love and trust him. For he has chosen not to smite us, but he's chosen to forgive us. He has chosen to forgive us through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and the hopeful resurrection. Indeed, Lord God, he deserves our reverence. He indeed does, for his holiness shines forth. But how much more shall we revere him for his kindness, his mercy, and his graciousness to us. You see, he had every reason to destroy us and every reason not to redeem us, yet here we are, forgiven, marked, marked as his baptized children, sprinkled with a clean conscience through his absolution. And now he invites us as his guests, as friends to his table for the strengthening of faith. God be praised. God be praised indeed. This holy, majestic Lord, this holy, majestic Lord, comes to us to speak to us, to deliver us, to forgive us, to be present with us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with.